This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How are we doing? Okay, okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. This side's a little weak today, but that's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm sure, like many of you, have been thinking a lot about uh, what's been happening at Asbury University. Um, I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that's skeptical. It's like, oh, for real though? Like, how sincere is this? And, and that's just a cynic in me. That's, that's, that's lame. Um, and so I'm going to own that and confess that if, if that's also been you at any point. Let's just be like, forget, that's, that's silly. Like, who are we to, like, no, let's praise that. Um, but I've also been a little, little envious. I'm like, okay, like, I, I, I want to encounter something like that. Um, and, and one of the things that uh, I, I've, I've come to believe is uh, we can't make the wind blow um, but, but we for sure can set the sails, right? Um, and that makes me think of Tommy Boy. Uh, anybody? Like, come on, how many of you are like, sermon's going to start with Tommy Boy today? Um, Tommy Boy, where he's sitting at the end in, in, in the, little, the little boat, and he's like, could you use a little help here because there's no wind. And so, the, you know, you can set the sails, but we, we, so we can't make the wind blow. But, but if the wind blows and there's no sail set, guess what? You're not going anywhere, right? Um, and, and I think when I think about revival, when I think about um, uh, just an extraordinary move of the spirit, like you and I aren't controlling that, right? Like not, we're not, we're not like being like, okay, and now here's the time, here's the day, right? Um, but we can set the sails, right? We can prepare our hearts. We can prepare our minds. We can be ready for a move of the spirit. Um, and, and I, I honestly, a few just thoughts again, right? This is, this is just some of my thoughts. Um, I, I think one of the reasons we don't encounter move like the spirit like that is we just don't expect for him to move. Um, like, and I'm not saying we walk in and be like, boom, it's going to happen today. Like, what's up? Um, but, but I just also don't think we walk in and be like, man, the Holy Spirit could move today. Like, it could, I, I just don't think we expect the Holy Spirit to work. Um, I think in our Western American context, we're really uh, confident in our own abilities um, and, and what makes sense to us and the order of service we put together and like, oh, this song moves into that and from G flat to B minor or whatever, right? Like, and we're really confident in that. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just don't know that we expect the Holy Spirit to, to really move. Um, and, and so um, I, I think that's part of it. Um, Okay, go for it. I, I live under a rock. What is happening at Asbury University? Oh, great. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, my, thank you for asking said You know what? A, thank you for asking to, to get an answer. And B, I just love the interaction. That's fantastic. Um, so Asbury University is a, a university in, um, it's, it's a college and seminary in something with a W, Kentucky? Wilbur? Wilmington. It's outside of Lexington, um, Kentucky. And so uh, I guess it was almost two weeks ago. Uh, they had a chapel service on Wednesday. The service ended. A handful uh, of students stuck around um, to continue in, in worship and prayer and confession. And, and that worship service has not stopped since. Um, so we're coming up on a week and a half. So there's been nonstop of song and testimony and, and people being saved. And, um, you know, Donna and I, we were talking, like, there's a video of someone where a demon is being cast out. And we're like, mm, I don't know about all that. I'm like, why not? It happened in the Bible. Why would we be like, oh, that doesn't, you know? And so um, it's just been nonstop of, I mean, and there's just lines of people waiting to get in. Um, just rows and rows and rows of people. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, they're just trying to, you know, go to the event thing. And maybe some of it, but shoot, how many of us are like, hey, let's worship for eight days? You know, like, we're like, oh, that's eight minutes over. Wrap this puppy up, you know? And, and so there's something happening. And, and um, you know, there, there's just, and I, I think it's worth asking, like, man, could that happen with us? Are we prepared? Are we ready? Are we mindful of it? Or have we already planned our 12:30 lunch and it's like, hey, wrap this thing up. We got to I, I just so that's when I don't think we leave any margin. Right? I think we're so busy and so filled that we don't leave margin for the Holy Spirit. We don't we don't take the time to to slow down cuz how many of you have set set to be like, "All right, I'm, I'm going to have time with the Lord." And it takes like 10-15 minutes just to still your thoughts, right? You're like running through the to-do list and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got to do this. I forgot about this." And then finally 15 minutes later, and you're like, "Well, I got to go now, like time off, right? And I, I just, so I, I don't think we expect the Holy Spirit to do something that, that could go like 
remarkable that we've never seen. I, I, I don't think that we leave the space or the margin um, for that. And, and then I think we get in our own heads. We, over, we just overthink it. We lean into our own understanding. Proverbs 3, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Um, faith is, is leaning into God outside of what just makes sense all the time to us. Right? God gives us a brain to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to think. We need to make sure that it's doctrinally accurate. But, but the Holy Spirit is also outside of us. Right? God is beyond us too. Right? We should expect the supernatural. I read this book that was like, what if the supernatural is actually the natural? Because that's how God designed it. And we're just moving back towards that. And we're like, oh, that's supernatural. Like, what if that's actually naturally how God desires to move. Um, but we're like, I've never seen this before. Um, and, and so I think sometimes we just got to get out of our own heads. We got to stop worrying about, am I on pitch? What if I sing too loud? Oh my gosh, what if, I, what if I kneel right now? People might think that's weird. And I think that we overthink our way out of engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, so these are just some of my thoughts, uh, some of my pontifications uh, when, I, when I think about. And, and I mean, I'll just put my cards on the table like, God has, God has called me. You know, Charlie talked about, where'd you go? There you are, Charles. Hey, buddy. Um, you know, the college dorm room where God interact, you know, intersected your life. Uh, you know, for me, I was 15. I was at camp. God saved me. It's, it's the most clear I've ever heard God speak to me. He also told me, uh, you're going to be a pastor, right? God's called me to this. We tried to leave last January. We're like, we're done with this. It's too hard. And God was like, no, you're not. You're staying. Um, and, and so here we are. We're here. And, and I believe with all of my soul that God wants to do something in this church and that God, no, 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 God is going to do something in this church. You want to stick around for it, stick around for it. Like, it's going to happen. And I believe that in the depths of my soul. Um, where was I going with this? Just lost my train of thought. Oh, my gosh. Is that a sign of getting old? Because I just, that happens all the time now. I'm like, what was I just? Um, Charlie Dorm. Um, thank you, Michael. I've still got nothing. I still. Called, we're going to be here. Supernatural. Come on. We can do this, team. We can do this. This is embarrassing, but it's real. It's real, right? This is real life. This is what happens. Um, hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. God's going to do something more. All right, we're done. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we're going. That's fine. You know what? Um, if, the, if the Holy Spirit wants me to know it, then it'll come back to mind. But that's, that's where we were. I just, I, I believe that, that God's going to do something incredible here. Um, and, and, and I really do. Um, and, and I hope that we will open our minds and hearts up to him. And, and get out of our own ways to encounter his presence. Um, oh, I remember now. There it is. Um, th that, that, is that is it for us. We, we have no desire to just be a church. And by that, I mean like we host a service and we got small groups and we have these activities. Like we are moving closer to the presence of God or bust, right? That's it. Like we're going to know God more than our finite brains can even imagine or or let's, let's go find something else. That is what we're going towards. Not like attendance or how many people can come or whatever. Do we know God more? Are we encountering the living God? Or are we transformed by the presence of the living God in our lives? That's what we're going towards. That's our mission. If you're like, what's this church about? That's it. Like knowing God. The real living God. Either this God is real and we want more of him, or it's not and let's go sleep in and go to snooze for brunch, you know, like that's, that's what we're about. So, uh, first John chapter five, right? Let's, let's rein it in. Or I'm going to ramble all day. Hey, before I'm going to start, I'm going to say this now. We'll say it again later. We've got these booklets for practicing Lent together. Lent begins on Wednesday. I'll tell you more about it, but I figure if we say it like two or three times, maybe it'll stick, right? We'll have, we have them out on the chairs and whatnot, but I'll talk about this again in a minute, um, later when we're wrapping up first John chapter five. So several years ago, um, Stephanie and I got invited to this, this party, um, and you're like, that's surprising. I get it. I get it. Um, and so we got invited to this party. What, what was unique about it was it was at the, the silos in Waco. Uh, familiar with the silos? Anybody? Yes? Show hands so we know, like, okay, four people. Okay, good. Fair amount of us. Sil silos, Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Um, but what was really unique about it is the party was after hours, um, and it was on, on the, the rooftop of their, their building, um, and, and like Chip and Joanna were there, um, the Gaines family was there. Um, and so we like had this exclusive party that we were a part of. Um, and, and it's like, wow, man, you're pretty cool, Corey. I know it's like, <laughs> right. I know, I know. Um, 
But, but the only reason we were there is because I was officiating their niece's wedding. Um, so, so some of our former students, um, I was officiating uh, their wedding, and, and her aunt and uncle are Chip and Joanna. And, and so um, that's the only reason we were there. Like, there's nothing special about us uh, that we, we just, we happen to have the right access to, to get to the party. Um, and, and that's true of life, right? If you have the right access, like, you'll, you'll get the backstage passes. Or if you, you know the right people, I always had a professor in college tell me, it's not the grades you make, it's the hands you shake. And he's pretty right on. Um, you know, if you, if you know the right people, if you have the right access, like you, you can, you can have access. You can get in. You can get to where you're going. The message of John that's been over and over and over again, the message of the Bible um, is that we are created for eternal life with God. We're created for eternal life with God. The question is, do we, do we have the right access? Right? Do we have the right connections to, to give us access into the presence of eternal God? Do we, do we know the one who, who gets us in? John wants us to, to see today in chapter 5 um, the invitation that God has given to you and to me. The testimony of God. And he wants us to know how we receive that invitation that's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And then he wants to tell us why we can trust Jesus. Why, what, what can we look at to go, okay, this Jesus guy is, is trustworthy? Um, and so um, Anna read, f- read from the, the passage, but I want to start at the end and then work our way backwards, right? So I want to go to verse 11 and 12 first. And John says, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the testimony of God. This is the message of God. This is, this is his, his you know, purpose and his, why he came, that, we, that he gave us, that we would have eternal life. This is the testimony of God from Genesis to Revelation. The testimony of God, the message that God is bringing is that he gave us eternal life. Eternal, the word eternal means eternal Right, without end, on and on and on. But that's just the, that's the adjective for all of my English people here. That's, that's just the adjective. What's the, what's the subject? Noun? I don't know what the adjectives go with, right? But well, eternal what? Right, eternal misery, eternal suffering, um, eternal happiness. No, that God gave us eternal life. God is for our life. He's for our thriving. He's for our abundance. God is for life. The message of the Bible, the testimony of God, is that he has given eternal life, life without end. The question we have to ask is, where is that life found? We say it over and over and over here again. That we're all looking to make the most out of life. We all want life to, to be abundant and to thrive. No one wants life to suck. No one wants tomorrow to be worse than today. No one wants Tuesday to be worse than Monday. If we can have our way, every day will be better than the day before. Right? That, that's how we are made. And that's God's goal for us, is that we would have life and have it eternally. But, but where is life? As humans now, we're chasing a, a myriad of things that we think will give us that life. We think it will be like, now I'm really living. Right? What, what are some of those things that, that you chase after? What are some of those things that, I ch- that, that we as people chase after? Money. Money's one, right? If I can just, man, money is what drives me. If I can just have more money, then all of my problems will go away. I'll be able to pay off my debts, and I'll be able to buy, you know, a horse or whatever. I, yeah, you know, I was like, horse, yeah, why not? You know, horses are great, right? If I just have money, then, then money will, will solve everything, right? For so much of our world, money is what we think will ultimately give us life. But we've all heard testimony or seen the lives of those who have more money than they know what to do with, and you're like, I don't think that person's very happy, Right? That they had all the money in the world, and yet it seemed to never be enough. I think for a lot of us, right, we're, what we think is going to give us life, like where we were like, ah, oh, here it is, I'm finally thriving, is, is a family. 
is relational connection, right? Like, oh my gosh, I, I've, I've got to be married, and then I've got to have kids, and, and, and we've got this picture of what, you know, will fulfill us, and it's this family. It's this happily ever after. But, but again, we, we all know there's, you know, singleness. It, it's not a bad thing even. It's celebrated in the scriptures, we know for, for many of us, we, we find that family, we find that relationship, and then a tragic car accident happens. Someone gets sick. What happens then? If our life is in this relational connection, what happens if that relational connection falls apart? So does our life. Right? So for some of us, we chase success. Right? This feeling of accomplishment. Man, I, I had this dream, and I got to the pinnacle. I got to the top. I got there. One of my favorite quotes ever was from an author, best-selling author, right, who, who, who has so much stuff, he has his own island, right? So it's like, okay, who's arrived? Who's made it? Well, if you have your own island, whatever making it is, you're probably there, right? And, and, and he was interviewed, and he was like, what would you tell the younger version of yourself? And he was like, man, I, I would tell myself that when you get to the top of the mountain, there's nothing there. Like he just spent his life hustling and trying to, to have achievement and get everywhere. And he's like, and then I got there and, and there was nothing there. We've heard that over and over and over again. We, we, we chase things. Even in the daily Right? We chase things all the time. We're like, I've got to have this to be happy. I've got to have this inner peace. I've got to have this reconciliation. I've got to have you know, this food or drink or pleasure. We're like, we, we chase after all these things that we, we think will satisfy. God came to bring us life, eternal life. So where does God tell us that's found? Where, where does the Bible tell us that's found? As best we know, Genesis 1 and 2, according to the scripture, are the only days on this planet when everything was right. Right? Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything, and, and he, he steps back after creating the planet and, and the, 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 you know, the, the animals and the, the water and, and Adam and Eve, and he says it is very good. Right? It's perfect. Mankind's vertical relationship with God, perfect. Mankind's horizontal relationship with one another in the world, perfect. It is very good. It's the only time that we know okay, that's living. Like that's real life. That's an abundant life. Now in Genesis 3, something else enters the picture. Sin. For the first time in creation, sin enters the picture. Sin is any thought, action, motive that, that is in opposition to God. Adam and Eve, humanity was created to trust and love and follow God. And in Genesis 3, they decided they knew better. They decided what they wanted was more important. And they chose to go their own way. And we've talked about this, right? Relationally, if me and Michaela here are, are holding hands and we're, we're walking through life together, and she's like, we're going this way. And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going this way, right? And I go that way and she goes that way. Are we still together? No, not a trick question, right? No, we're, we're, we're not. So sin is any time I think, I'm like, no, no, I, I, I know better. I don't trust God anymore. I go my own way, right? That's sin. And Adam and Eve, they sin in Genesis 3, and they separate themselves from the presence of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, right? The earnings for sin, what we earn for, for sinning against God is, is death, and so if we keep reading Genesis 3, you remember what happens at the end of Genesis 3? Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden. That They're removed from the garden. Now they still have physical life in their body. They still are eating and drinking. They're still working. They're still making a living. They're still, you know, having a family. They have babies, right? They have, they have all these things that that we would call life and living, and yet Romans 6.23 says what we earn for sin is, is death. What was the only difference? What was the difference from Genesis 2 and Genesis 3? They were no longer in the presence of God. Everything else, now it was more complicated, right? There was, there was curses, there was effects of their sin, but they still had everything that we chase for, for life, 
They had their jobs they could go after. They had their income they could go after. They had their relationships they could go after. They had their family they could go after. They had their food and their drink. And yet the Bible says what they earned for their sin is death. Yes, physical death will come, but what it's talking about more so is a spiritual separation from God. The Bible tells us that life is only in the presence of God. Real life. Not like, I'm breathing, but like real, abundant life. The life that we naturally seek after. The fullness of life, Psalm 1611, is in the presence of God. That's what we're created for. To, to walk with God, to know God, to, to hear him, to taste and see that he is good, for him to talk to us and for us to hear him, for us to talk to him and him to hear, like for us to be in the presence of God, that's where life is found. That's where the fullness of life is. That's what they're, they're experiencing in Asbury, Kentucky. Is they've tasted and they've seen the presence of God and they're like, it is better than class. It is better than work. It is better than, than, you know, any responsibilities I have. And not that you neglect those, right? But they're like, this is better. So they want more and they want more and they want more. Y'all, we, we're either going to trust God or not. The Bible tells us, God tells us he came and his testimony is this, that he gave us eternal life. He brought eternal life. Are we going to trust that it's in him, following him or not? That's his testimony. You want life. You do. And not just, I woke up today, I'm physically alive, but you want to live. You want to thrive. I do too. I've got to ask though, do I think that living is found in some other way besides the presence of God, knowing him, being close to him? I think we all know from experience it's going to fall short. It's good. Everything else is going to let us down at some point. He also says here, right, the testimony of God is that he gave us eternal life. The work needed for us to have eternal life is already done. The invitation is already made. The door has already been, been opened. You, you and I don't have to, there, there's not a condition here for us to work and measure up to it. Right, it's not like God's looking and he's like, okay, when you get to like status level five, then you can have eternal life. No, it's already, the, the invitation has already been given. For, for you and me today, here now, the invitation for eternal life is not held back from any one of us. He gave us eternal life. There's nothing in the way other than ourselves. And not only is, are all the conditions already met, not only is the invitation already given, it's, it's not just, you know, for the future. Like, I, I grew up for the, uh, always thinking, like, oh, heaven, and, and, and this is all there and then one day. And God's like, no, 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 it's here and now. Like, he, he, he already gave it. The invitation into eternal life is not just for one day in heaven. It's for here and now. We get to spend eternity growing in that. At some point, my, my location is just going to change. But I can know him now. I can thrive in him now. He already gave us eternal life. And so where is it? He says, this is life. It's in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. This eternal life that we desire. This, this life that, that you want, that, that John tells us God, God gave. He opened the door. The invitation is to get that, that life that you want. It is for all who have the Son. All who are in Jesus. Jesus is the open door to life. Jesus is the way that we encounter this life. Right, the only reason Stephanie and I were at that party at the rooftop has nothing to do with what we've done. has nothing to do with, with our connection. It, it's only because we knew the right people. Only because we were in the wedding. Only because we were in the community with the bride and groom, the guests, the hosts of the party. The way that we have this eternal life is only in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the center of it all.
I had a friend asking this week, like, why, why do we talk about Jesus so much? And it was an honest question, and I loved it. It's like, because it's only in Jesus that we have life. It's only in Jesus that we have communion with the Father. It's only in Jesus that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus, it, it, all, there's, it all falls apart. The way that you and I have this life, the way that our friends have this life, the way the people that we love have this life is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Do, do you know Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Are you in him? Are you united with him? Well, how does that happen? Go back to verse nine. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. That seems like common sense, right? Okay, the, assuming God is who he says he is, this is real. The testimony of God must be greater than the testimony of, of men. And if we believe one another, surely we should believe God. Right? If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. This is the testimony he has given us concerning his son, Jesus. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Eternal life for you and for me, not just in heaven one day, but new life in the presence of God is only through Jesus. And the way that we are in Jesus, the way that we have Jesus and Jesus has us is by faith is by believing in the Son, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, believing that the invitation Jesus gives is the way to have life. Anybody here going to, uh, to see T. Swift here in a, in a month or two? Oh, wow, okay. Wow, there's a crew over here. Wow, anybody over here? Oh, we got one? Okay, it's cool, cool. You might want to shift sides. Everybody's over here for what? All, all our girls are going. Um, I got, I really want, I think I've said this in a sermon once. I was like, if there's any concert I could go to, I would go to Taylor Swift. Well, they're all going. Guess who's not? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Anyways, so imagine that you show up to the NRG, NGR? NRG in Houston. Thank you. And you're going to go see Taylor Swift, right? And you get there, and they're like, hey, anybody want to go hang out backstage with Taylor? And you're like, Yes, right? And they say, come on down to the floor. And you come down to the floor, and there's, there's multiple options. And, and, and they're like, hey, the magic number today is four. For every fourth caller, 14th caller, 24th caller, 34th caller, 44th caller, 54th caller, right? call this number. And if you are the fourth caller, boom, you're in, right? And so you're like, okay, cool. And you're just dialing away. Anybody ever try to do those? What do you get? Meh, busy signals are like, whatever, right? I'm like, I don't, this is fake. I don't think it ever goes through, right? So, but you're over there, you're trying, man. You're dialing the numbers. There's another option. They're like, hey, you want to see Taylor Swift? Great. There's this Volkswagen bug. Cram in. The last person in the Volkswagen bug gets to go see Taylor Swift, right? And so you're in there, man. People are like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And they, they bail, but you're holding in, right? You know? And, and then you got the other one over here, and it's like, hey, you want to see Taylor Swift? Great. You got to make a free throw, then a three-pointer, then a half-court shot, and you got people over here just taking shots, right? And so you got all this crew, and you're just picking which one, which way am I going to go backstage with Taylor Swift? And then Taylor walks by, and she's like, what are y'all doing, you know? Because that's how Taylor talks. And, and you're like, we're, we're trying to get backstage with you. You know, we're trying. And she's like, that's silly. Come on. And she pulls back the stanchion, and she's just like, let's go. Like, let's go backstage. You, you have at that moment now an option. You have a choice. The end goal is what? Backstage with T-Swizzy, right? You want to go hang out with Taylor. And, and, and there's ways that you can try to get there. And you can keep hustling and trying and trying, but Taylor's come up and she's like, hey, just pulls the stanchion back. She's like, this is silly, y'all, come on. Now, you, the invitation is made. The, Taylor herself has opened the door. The question is, do we believe her to be the real Taylor, or is this an imposter? Right. Or maybe it's a lie. And I'm going to get my hopes up, and I'm going to trust this Taylor, and I'm going to fall, follow her. And there's this invisible door, and poof, I'm just going to smash into it, right? And they're going to laugh at me. I, I don't know. We have a choice. The, the choice is I can believe this person, Taylor, and just follow her backstage. 
Or I can keep trying my own ways to get there and to hustle and to, to be the caller or to stay in the Volkswagen or to make all the shots, right? But the, the invitation has been given. Do, do, we, do we trust her? Now, you can't do both. I can't actively believe this Taylor Swift and follow her and also actively be over here, you know, crammed in the Volkswagen bug or whatever, right? You can't, you can't do both at the same time. And, and, and John is telling us, the message of the Bible is telling us that, that the purpose we, we are here, God's purpose for us is, is backstage passes with, in his presence, right? is, he, is being with him. And we can try all these different ways we think might get us there. Right? If, I just, if I just endure, if I just white-knuckle it and hang in here, or if I work and I make it here and I measure up or, or, or whatever, or we can believe that G- for, for what, we'll never get there with those. Right? The, 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 those, are, those are ways we'll never measure up. But, but John is telling us that, that Jesus, God himself, has already come and opened the door. Hey, let's go. The question for us is, do we believe him, which then naturally moves us to following him? If I don't follow Taylor Swift, am I believing her invitation? No, I'm calling her a liar. Right? I'm calling the imposter a liar, whatever it is. I don't... Invitations there, I don't trust that. I don't believe that. That's, there's something fishy there. Let me, keep, let, me keep, let me keep trying over here. Jesus has opened the door, the Bible says. He's made available the opportunity for us to have life in the presence of God, to be connected with God forever. The question is, do we believe him? Do we believe that he is the son of God and that he has done everything needed for us to have access to his presence. The, fr- the, the evidence of belief is our following. But you don't follow until you believe. Does that make sense? It's by faith that we are saved, but faith without works is dead because you, you, don't, you don't follow the person that, that you don't believe. True belief in Jesus will, will follow him. That's how we're in Jesus. We, we just believe him. And that belief just moves us to follow then. We grow in him. We know him more. We can conceptualize that with a Taylor Swift illustration. If I follow her, man, give me 30 minutes and I'll ask a few questions. I'm going to know her more than I knew initially. Give me two hours. I know her more than I knew at 30 minutes. We can conceptualize that here. God's asking us to trust him in the same way. Will we believe Jesus? We believe that he's opened the door. Y'all to eternal life. Y'all to, to, to life. Do we believe him? Or, or do we still think, I don't know, life's kind of over here. I know Jesus, you say go this way, but I'm going to go this way. You know, he's like, come on, y'all, come on, come with me. Do we believe him? Do we trust him? Now, why would we trust Jesus? That's, that's a challenge for us, right? Faith is a challenge. It was a challenge for people that walked with Jesus. Right, one of my favorite and most comforting verses, this is not in the, the slides, so don't look for it, is Matthew 28. Where is it? There it is. Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17. It says, this is after his resurrection. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has proven himself. Corinthians says, over 500 people for 40 days. He's about to ascend to heaven. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. That those three words are like, okay, phew. maybe I'm not some like free Christian. Like they were literally standing there with Jesus, but some doubted. It's okay for us to have questions. And right? it's okay for us to, to, to be unsure. Along. That's normal. 
That's humanity. But the invitation is to, is to trust him. Now we also give some evidences for why we can trust him. And that's what we get in the first few verses. It says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. And I'll be honest, when I first sat down and started on the sermon, I was like, yo, I don't know what he's saying right here. What is he talking about? The water and the blood and the spirit and the three testify together. And they, like, anybody else look at that and go, mm-mm. Thank you. Yeah, Rob's like, yep, preach, come on. So it, that's okay, too. Like, you, we're going to read parts of the Bible that was written a few thousand years ago by, by you know, like, it's, it's okay that some of it's not going to translate to 20, 2023. Um, you know, like, we, but we can learn. We, we, can, we can study. There's, I've mentioned websites before, blueletterbible.net or preceptaustin.net. Try one of the dots, net, org, com. Um, those are great resources of people that have spent their like, professional lives studying this and helping us understand the original languages and giving commentaries. Right? Those are great resources. And so with the help of those commentaries um, and a commentary I bought on the Amazon, um, I was... I was able to be like, okay, this makes sense now. I, I understand w- w- what's going on. In Old Testament law, you'd have three witnesses to, to verify that something was true. Th- three evidences of a testimony to say, okay, yep, I believe this now. And John's like, great, we got that with Jesus. The first is water. What John's pointing to is the water baptism of Jesus and the life that followed. He's pointing to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry began with a baptism. Baptism is a, a symbol of a life that is by faith surrendered to the will of God. Right? It, was, it was a picture. Jesus was, he was surrendered to the will of the Father. Right? Jesus was, it is God. Right? But it was a picture of his faith surrendered to the will of God. For, for you and me, when we are baptized, it's, it's a symbolic gesture saying, okay, my old life is, is gone, and I, by faith, and surrender to the way of Jesus. Right? As I'm dipped under the water, the old is gone, and as I'm raised out of the water, I, by faith, am new in Christ. I'm going to live my life in following Jesus. Um, we're going to have a baptism service soon. I mentioned this earlier. On our staff meeting on Wednesday, we're going to be like, all right, boom, here's the Sunday. So if you're interested in being baptized, please talk with us. Right, let, let us know, like, let, hey, I want, let's talk more about that. Right? Jesus was baptized. It was a way of beginning his ministry, of symbolically gesturing that he has surrendered to the will of God. What also makes the baptism of Jesus unique, that you, you shouldn't expect to be the same for you, right, is that a dove, the Spirit of God, came and rested on Jesus, and an audible voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. There is a unique evidence to the, to the baptism of Jesus that he is the son of God, that he is trustworthy. But, but then there was a life of authority and power that followed that baptism, that followed the spirit of God resting on him, that evidenced that Jesus is the son of God. And we see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospels that tell the story of Jesus, right? Where, where Jesus is casting out demons, and not just casting out demons. I love this about the demons. That's a weird statement. I get that, right? But I love this about the demons. They walk up to Jesus. They don't walk up to Jesus. Okay. The demons say to Jesus, what do you have to do with this? I know who you are, son of the most high God. The demons know and testify to who Jesus is. Or the demons are like, and he's like, ah, uh-uh, get out of here. We see the power of Jesus, the Son of God, as he raises the dead, as he gives sight to the blind, as he heals the leper, as he heals the sick, as he walks on water, as he takes some some fish and bread and feeds over 5,000 people with leftovers for days, right? We see the power in the life of Jesus. And so the first testimony that we can trust Jesus is we look to his baptism and the life of power that followed. Now, I realize we're here 2,000 some odd years later, right? And it's like, okay, well, it would have been nice to have lived when Jesus lived, but here's the deal. Whether we believe that his life points to the power of him as son of God or not, what you and I in 2023 cannot deny is that the man Jesus has changed the world. 
today, 2,000 plus years later, our, our calendar system, right? He's, he's on the front of Time magazine, right? There's something unique about the person of Jesus. Right? We may not take that as faith, as evidence yet, but there's something unique about the person of Jesus. There are non-Christian writers who have written about the works of Jesus. He's transformed our world. That speaks to something at least. That gives us one testimony, one voice of witness. The second one, John says, is the blood, the death of Jesus. We look to the water and his life, and then we look to the blood, to the death of Jesus as an evidence, as a testimony that Jesus is Lord, that we can trust him. In three of the four gospel books, there, there's an account of a Roman centurion whose professional job was to crucify people. Standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus, coming to the place of saying, surely this was the son of God. A, a centurion is not an entry-level soldier. They, they, he's been in the military for, for several years. He has probably seen and, and helped um, execute Hundreds, if not thousands, on a cross. A Roman crucifixion was not a unique death. And yet, something was unique about this one. That this Roman centurion would say, this is the son of God. He's seen hundreds. They can just blend together. And yet, this death said something different. What, what did he see? What did the centurion see that made the death of Jesus unique over every other one? Perhaps he noted that Jesus was falsely arrested and accused and sentenced to death and led to a cross under false pretense. Now, if you're sentenced to death and you know you're innocent, how are you going out? Quietly, I'm probably not making it to the cross. Like, I'm, I'll be killed in the fight along the way. Right? If I know that I am innocent and I am being sentenced to death, I'm not going down quiet. Like, my last breath will be fighting for my innocence and, and to be set free. Right? Any, any, y'all feel the same way? Like, I'm not just going to be like, cool, whatever, you know? Yet Isaiah 53 7 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Perhaps this centurion saw a man that he knew was falsely accused and falsely imprisoned and you know, very likely could be innocent, but yet didn't even fight back. Like maybe he had an agenda. Maybe he knew what he was doing in the cross. Now, if you are being executed, are the words coming out of your mouth, the words that Jesus said, the words that the centurion heard, which were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The centurion sees a man, let's say he is guilty. No one prays that prayer over the ones nailing your hands to a cross. And he's never heard anyone else ask for their forgiveness as they're crucifying him. So the centurion sees a man that is falsely arrested, falsely imprisoned, falsely crucified, now asking for the forgiveness of the ones that crucified him. I doubt he has seen many crucifixions like that. And then he hears Jesus cry out, Father, into your hands, I give my spirit. And then he breathes his last. An earthquake happens across the land. The, the temple, the Jewish temple that is a monstrosity of a thing, breaks in half so that the, the curtain is torn, the curtain that separated people like you and me from the presence of God. And he's looking at all these things and he's like, yo, there's something special about this guy. There's something unique about this one on the cross. Perhaps, no, 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 no. Surely he is who he said he is, the son of God. So you've got 
the water, the baptism and life of Jesus, a life that no other human has ever matched. And then you've got the blood, the death of Jesus, a death that, that this professional executioner has never seen. And not only does he see the blood of Jesus, he gets to see or hear that this Jesus who he saw die is no longer dead. That this Jesus who he saw his blood pour out is now uh, alive. And so whether he actually got to see it or he just heard it among the hundreds in the community and he heard, because no doubt he heard that the Romans and the Jews didn't want this story of Jesus risen from the dead and yet nobody could produce a body. And so this guy's starting to see, hey, there's something unique about this man, Jesus. And so here's my challenge for us, right? We've got the, the water and his life. We've got the blood and his death. And, and here's the deal. If Jesus is still, still dead, okay, but no one in the history of time, and there have been plenty who would love to produce the body of Jesus, no one has ever produced the body of Jesus. The Romans didn't want Jesus resurrecting from the dead, the king of the Jews. They wanted one king, Caesar. The Jews didn't want Jesus rising from the dead. They believed that he was a demon. And yet... They couldn't produce the body to refute this claim that Jesus rose from the dead and this faith that they despised blew up. These are the evidences that John says we have to trust Jesus. The third one, the spirit of God. In John 15, 26, Jesus himself says that the spirit is the one who will bear witness about me. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. First Corinthians 2, Paul says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. Let's put on our logical thinking caps for a second. The message of Jesus is that God himself came and lived among us as a human being, fully man, fully God. How did he come into this world? Oh, he was born of a virgin, right? And then he lived a perfect life, never once thinking or, or, or doing or even desiring to disobey God. And then this man, Jesus, was nailed to a cross. He was, he was dead. He was, he was dead. He was wrapped up in burial cloths. He was put in the side of a, of a cave with a stone rolled over the front because, again, the Romans and the Jews didn't want this story of resurrection. There was a Roman seal placed over the, the stone so that if it was broken, the person who broke it would die and the guards on guard would be executed for, for failing to do their job. And, and we're saying that this man rose from the dead and, and then lived on earth for another 40 days and then ascended to heaven to seat at the right hand of, of the the father, and this man is still alive today. Let's be honest. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit out there, right? We're thinking logically. That's a little, that's a little wacky. What the Bible says is if you can hear that message and go, yep, but I believe it. That's the spirit of God alone breathing life into you, causing you to see and to believe the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. The spirit testifies to our spirit. Yep, it's true. 2019 was the worst year of my life. I stood up in front of our, our baby church. We were, what, six months old, seven months old? I don't know. Um, and shoot, I'm looking around. I don't know if anybody was here. Was anybody here at the beginning of 2019? There we go. 
and I'd come back from a month off, not because I was like, I'm gonna take a vacation, but because I was like done. I mean, I just hit bottom, flatlined, and I stood up in February, and, and I was just as honest as I could be, and I said, y'all, I don't know what I believe about God anymore. I, just, I, I didn't. The, the, the world that I knew, the, it just didn't, it didn't exist anymore. And at that point, I was questioning everything. If that's not real, is, is, God, is this real? It's, and, and even in that, that time, like I can still, I can go back to it, I can see myself. Like I knew in the depths of my soul, I was like, but it's real. And I knew, I don't know where I stand today, but I know the day's coming when, when this is over because God is who he says he is and he's going to get me there. Like, it's just, it's just, that's just what it was. I couldn't walk away, even if I wanted to. That's the spirit of God at work. That's, that's the spirit of God giving us faith even when our own logic can't understand how to have faith. It's the, the third witness to Jesus. God has come and he's given eternal life for us. He's given, what's happening in Asbury is not just for college students or whoever can drive to Kentucky. The spirit of God is for us. He's alive today. He's given eternal life. It is available. The invitation extended. We have this life by believing in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that, that he has forgiven my sins on the cross and given me new life in his resurrection. By believing him, by following him, and that following man, we're going to stumble and we're going to skin our knees and man, we're going to reach backwards at times and we're, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty all the time. Come on, that's life. But I, I, I can't undo, I, I'm following him. He's given us evidence. He's given us testimonies. My question to you is, do you believe him? Everyone in this room, don't think about someone else. Don't think like, oh, I've, you know, I've known God my whole life. Um, no, no, no. Have you, do you believe him? Like, do you believe the truth of Jesus? I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what last night looked like. It doesn't matter what the last year looked like. It doesn't matter how good of a churchgoer you've been or whatever. Like, do you believe the message of Jesus? And when we do, the spirit of God testifying to us breathes new life into us and we are sealed as his son and daughter for all of eternity. We are brought into eternal life and now it's the journey of growing in that abundance. It's the journey of knowing him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.